Welcome to the Avance Podcast. I'm Dan. Nick is and over I'm, there dying. I'm still alive. <laughs> uh, slowly. Uh, you know, it's going to sound like I've had it forever considering you're going to hear all these episodes, but it's only been a couple of days because uh, we had to record all <laughs> together. But uh, Dan, I have a question for you, and I think this is going to go with the tip of the week, but like um, we're overheating. And so yes. like, I mean, we our cars have to be overheating, right? Like that's the thing. <laughs> Like, yeah, kind of. So, okay. I mean, as you can tell, I'm not at home. I'm in the yeah. office uh, and our very nice backgrounds here. So, yeah, we are. It's about 96 degrees out right now. I actually got a message from somebody the other day who had done a bunch of off-roading. They've been off-roading with us many times. So I said, you know, this is a perfect excuse for our Carter Automotive Group tip of the week. And they said, um, why am I overheating? Uh, <laughs> do you have any ideas? And uh, they popped their hood and it looks like. You, they just like dipped the interior, the inside of the engine bay in mud. <laughs> like yeah. it, I, it, it's filthy, and it's a filthy in the extent of it's just the normal result of doing a Avance off road day at Dirtfish. And one of the things right. we recommend, of course, is that you need to clean your engine bay. What had happened is their radiator, AC condenser, everything under the hood was covered in mud, so nothing was flowing through that radiator, nothing was broken, but everything had just stuck. And uh, this is not just for your car. Your AC condensers outside your house. If you're looking for like, why is my AC working that well? Chances are all this stuff is clogged. So if you're wondering, is it safe to wash under the hood of your car? Yes. And now is a really good time to do that. If your AC isn't blowing that cold or for some reason your car just seems to be getting that hot. Guess what? Washingtonians, 96 degrees is actually not that hot of an operating range for the average vehicle. Our friends down in Texas, California, Arizona, they're saying 115, like literally seeing 115-ish right now. It is hot as hell in the South, but you know what? Your car's fine as long as your cooling system is in good condition. So best way to clean your radiator, everybody thinks, just spray it off. No, spray it from the back. You want to do it from the the inside out. Push all that dirt away. Don't make it go through your radiator fins. Don't get it all shoved up in there. Take that pressure washer. Take it back with the car off, not with the not with the fan spinning behind it, but take it through and pressure wash from the backside first, and you're going to unlodge about 80% of that dirt just doing it that way, and that's how you get the inside of that radiator clean. Then you can power wash the rest of the motor. Obviously, you want to cover the, the electrical components. Just a cheap plastic bag works pretty well. That stuff is actually designed to get wet. It's not designed to be pressure washed like five inches away. But if you get a good like 18 inches back with a wide spray pressure washer, you're actually going to need less pressure than you think. That'll get most of it. And then if you do what I did, you just go to Park Place and say, hey, clean my engine bay. Because I'm going to be honest, that's what I did with my truck. And I don't regret it for one second because my engine bay looks great and I didn't have to do any of it. Um, I have done it the hard way many, many times in the Land Cruiser and cars I don't care about. When it comes to the Raptor and my life now, I just like, just, just do it. I don't, I don't want to do it. <laughs> well, I mean, and I was going to add on to your list of, of your car and your house. Uh, your portable air conditioners have filters in them, too. Mm-hmm. And they definitely need to be cleaned. Um, and you would not believe the amount of dirt that sucked into them. I just cleaned mine today because I was wondering why my air conditioner wasn't working. So, yeah. Yep. yeah. And a great way to keep maintenance up on that. I know it's a simple thing, but, hey, it's the age we live in now. It's an electronic age. Roombas are fantastic. I love yeah. Roombas. I'm not nobody's nobody from Roombas paying me, but they are a great way to keep the dust down in your house. And if you're like us, you have fans on all the time because you like the noise or just the white noise kind of thing. They are fantastic for that. So if you have a Roomba and you or you've been on the fence about one, this is actually a great excuse like excuse to get one. You may say my house isn't that dirty. I don't need something that vacuums for me all the time, but it keeps the dust down. You'd be surprised how much dust they get rid of. So just saying that actually does help a lot. So anyway. Absolutely. That's our tip of the week. Nick, you need to rest, buddy. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna do my best. Uh, I'm gonna wish everybody out there. I hope they stay, stay safe. Uh, we got a great guest coming on today. Uh, Dan's got a lot of good questions, but I'm gonna go bow out and go back to sleep because that's what I've been doing, and I'm almost through it. So I'm on the other side. So I will see everybody on the other side. Dan, uh, 
Have a wonderful vacation. Thanks, man. Take Get your See rest. You Talk to you soon. Stay healthy. Yeah. Our guest this week was, came to us as a suggestion from Avance. I reached out to the Avance hive mind and I said, you know what? I have a million questions about EVs. I need somebody who is more than just like a salesman in the industry, but somebody who actually really gets their hands dirty on these things, knows how the power industry works, knows how power, excuse me, how batteries work in EVs. I wanted to kind of do a deep dive on these. We have a lot of, um, there's a lot of hearsay in the media. There's a lot of back and forth on, are these really good for the environment? Like if everybody's telling you to turn off their AC, how are you going to charge your electric cars? Look at these massive lines at Tesla in California. And I'm like, that's just like a little snippet. That doesn't tell the whole story. So I reached out and they said, you got to get a hold of Chad uh, down at Resell EV. He's an Avance member. He knows cars and he will talk to you. And sure enough, Chad, welcome to the show. I'm going to push you your last name though. Can you tell me your first name? It's Blackie. I'll stop you right Blackie. there. Thank you. Welcome to the show. It's Albuquerque. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right, Chad, you are the owner founder of Resell EV, correct? Yeah, absolutely. So Resell's um, based down in um, just we're actually right between Austin and San Antonio. The, the two cities are so close, so so we're right down. Where you can't buy a Tesla. Like, what's that? <laughs> Where you yeah, can't no, buy a Tesla. Fact, actually, I mean, I mean that's intentional and strategic. Um, yeah, and we'll get into this later, maybe. But um, yeah, last, last year when we first moved down here, so I'm originally from Seattle. Um, actually originally from Vancouver, but lived in Seattle up up until actually last summer. And then we moved down. My wife's originally um, from the San Antonio area. Washington or BC? Vancouver, oh, Washington yeah. or BC? No, it's always BC. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I know yeah, no, a particular but, listener, Matt, is going to be very happy you said that. Shout yeah, out to in you. fact, when I say it, you'll, 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 you'll get it. <laughs> But, um, yeah, no, and, and so, um, you know, actually resells is, is the work of, you know, several years of, of work in this space, um, you know, actually going right back to probably around 2008, 2009, you know, after Tesla developed their first Roadster, they were also de- developing battery packs for actually Mercedes at the time. They had their Smart 4.2 and, and a couple other products as well. And Toyota was um, doing some work with their RAV4 and stuff. So we've actually been working with Tesla um, power packs or batteries for Geez, um, almost almost a solid ten years now, um, and resale came about because just simply because you know these Model S's in particular are just coming off warranty. Um, they're all at the kind of eight nine year mark, and of course, I mean, there's there's and we'll get into this as well. There's zero infrastructure um, around the, on the service side for for electric vehicles, you know, at large, but certainly um, Teslas in particular, the Model S's, you know, and and everyone's seen that, you know, the um, uh, the apocryphal, if we will, that uh, YouTube video of the guy blowing up his, you know, Tesla at the moment. Yeah. It's kind of $20,000 invoice. But, um, you know, and, you know, there, there, there's some backstory to that as well. But but genuinely, I mean, that's, I mean, we'll get into this too, is that we have customers coming in and, you know, and, and they're facing an invoice of anywhere from thirteen dollars to $18,000. And we just turn around and say, like, there's got to be a better solution for that. So we started working on um, some Model S's, actually kind of our, our, our first, um, you know, um, proof of concept was actually up in Seattle working with some, actually some fellow Avance folks kind of took some of the work and knowledge I've been working with on, on the battery packs. You know, can we actually make this work on a Model S? So that was the kind of the first thing. And then actually coming down to to um, Texas, um, San Antonio, Austin, um, it's kind of our, our phase two proof of concept. And we're farther along with, with just kind of proof of concept, but truly kind of, okay, great, you can do it, but can you make money at it? Because um, that's obviously an, a big delta. And um, and what we've proven, we launched this um, the operation here um, 
in December. And, you know, we, we had some fairly modest goals in terms of what we're going to um, do for the year. I mean, you know, cause it's not just a matter of just kind of, if you build it, they'll come. And so we actually have actually, um, we've doubled our goal for the year within six months. And I mean, we're, we're getting plenty of de demand. There, there, there's no lack of demand for, for, for kind of going on solving this issue. So what we provide is actually remanufactured um, battery packs. So we'll, we'll take in a, a battery pack from a, um, customers or, you know, we may be able to kind of source them through auction and, and some other places. And, you know, we, we go through, we refurbish that, we certify it, get it all up to spec, make sure everything's, you know, absolutely factory spec and all, all those pieces. And then what's kind of cool is because we can actually develop an inventory of these packs. We can actually provide virtually kind of a just-in-time um, delivery for a customer so they can actually bring their, um, you know, bring their Model S in or ship it to us in most cases. And, you know, we can kind of turn that around within, you know, uh, as little as kind of two days. Um, you know, other, other times it's maybe a bit longer in terms of a, a week because, you know, and we'll get into some of these issues is that, um, you know, it's actually, the, the cells are perfectly fine. It may actually just be a, a simple hardware firmware or a board issue where there's actually been a, a, a failure on one of the boards. Mm -hmm. And um, for the battery management system on these things, these boards are the single source of truth for what's actually going on. So no matter if the batteries were operating perfectly fine, um, you know, if, if it's not reporting the right data, it immediately shuts down. And you need to kind of think of not just the Tesla BMS, but these BMSs are kind of like Gordon Ramsay, right? Like if there's anything out of spec, it's shut it down. And, and rightly so, right? For, for safety reasons. Safety, and yeah. Right. So if there's anything out of temperature variance and stuff like that, and it's insane in terms of um, the amount of data that uh, Tesla collects, at, you know, out of some basic fundamentals of you know, resistance, current, your standard ohms law stuff and temperature, um, the, the, you know, the synthetic parameters that they're able to develop and actually kind of devise what's going on actually within the actual um, battery cell and the chemistry is, is um, pretty incredible. And so as a result, they can you know, detect months in advance, whether it's a week short developing all sorts of things that, that, that are, that are going on. In fact, the, I mean, it's pages of data that actually come off these battery management systems. It's, it's you know, um, pretty insane. Anyway, yeah, so we, we, we go out and we um, were able to refurbish these 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 batteries, um, get them certified, get them back up to spec. And then, you know, our goal is to, you know, at least keep these, you know, batteries in operation for 10 or more years, right? They come off warranty at eight. Um, we'll at least get you uh, another two, hopefully more. And a lot of these cases, I mean, we're seeing batteries that are, perfectly good or that we can deliver you know, right through to, you know, 150,000 miles or, or more. Um, you know, in fact, we had one two, three weeks ago that was, you know, nine-year-old battery, um, you know, out of the factory, uh, the Model S was uh, 265 mile range and this thing had 251 miles. So well north of, I think that's like 95 um you know, almost 95% of them doing the math, right? So yeah. um, pretty incredible, um, you know, but but not all these packs end up that that way. And so that's, you know, and, and we live in a world where we're seeing pack failures, right? But there's a lot a lot of Teslas out there that, that aren't experience, experiencing those kinds of issues. So anyway, I had a couple of questions around that. Good round out in terms of what we're doing. Yeah, you made me think of a lot of questions as you were talking through that. So yeah, that, sure. that blocks one misconception I hear right away, or that people are 
I wouldn't say strangely under the impression they just you don't know what you don't know. And a, a lot of people think that when a battery pack or they say is defective, that it's just like tossed. <laughs> and that's really not the right. case with lithium batteries yeah. in general. You can recycle even small lithium batteries, but these big, massive packs you can fix. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And in fact, um, you know, in, in fact, some of those early Smart 4.2 packs that we were you know, working with, you know, came out in 2008, 2009, and they're still running, you know, e even today in some cases. But I mean, the, the kind of the best way to kind of think of it in my um, session, I'll use this example, is that, um, you know, think of it like a, a string of Christmas lights, right? You know, uh, you got 96 cells or 96 lights out there. One of them goes off and the whole thing kind of comes down. But that doesn't mean you throw out, you know, sometimes we do throw out the whole Christmas light <laughs> string, right? But, you know, you know, with a little bit of intelligence and actually, like I said, the, these battery management systems will, will record um, like cell level data for you. You can actually know before you go into the pack exactly what you're going after. And we, you know, we develop the work plan. We know exactly which cell is out, what needs to be done. And yeah, there's no need to, you know, if we, if we think about it, I mean, there's, there's all sorts of embodied energy capital into these packs. I mean, they're, they're, they're expensive, right? I mean, you know, for most people, these are home equity loans. And because one out of the 96 bricks is, is gone, doesn't mean you, you toss out, you know, and they come in modules. There's 15, 16 modules in, in the pack. And absolutely, there's no reason to toss out the other 16. And then they would never get tossed into, into a landfill. But yeah. you as the owner are, are sitting there going like, you know, like, guess what? I've got at least, you know, 15, 16 set of $20,000 in, you know, in this pack. I'd really like to not lose that. So what we turn around is what we can do is we can, you know, either, you know, uh, fix, replace or, or, or do whatever we need, need to do um, in, in terms of the individual packs. And like I said, you know, a lot of times it's actual board issues. So we actually don't have to do anything to the actual cells themselves. Um, and there's a lot you can also do. Um, and there's a lot of precision around this in terms of um, module matching. And, you know, again, using that, uh, there's no secret here. I mean, Tesla's out there remanufacturing these batteries at scale. And if you're doing it at scale, which is what we're driving towards, you can actually go out and do that. But yeah, so so don't toss the whole pack out. You know, come to, you know, go to Tesla, great, right? If you want to come to us, you can talk to that as well, and we can actually get you back on the road. That's that's exactly what we're, And that's literally our mission, right? Our mission is to get their cars back on the road. Yeah, I think there's a big concern or a big misconception that EVs just turn into bricks when they're done. And the market, the look at resale, you know, resale, not resale, resale costs of EVs, if like a battery pack is bad, it's through the floor. Because you think, like you said, you look at Tesla, and if you're looking at you know, up to 18 grand for a battery pack and you've got a car that's worth 60, good, like, yeah, like, yeah, it's fine. It just needs 20 grand worth of work. And like, nobody wants to swallow that pill. But if you're like, hey, I can just repa repair my pack for, you know, five, you know, five to 10 grand ish in that window, you've got yeah. a whole different point of view on the vehicle. It's not just a brick anymore. Yeah. And, and it's actually even kind of, kind of a harsher decision, right? Because by the time the folks are coming to see us, that model S is probably worth around 30,000. Right. So, so, you know, and, and literally we, we had a customer in the last week and we just got his car ready for him. I mean, he had an invoice from Tesla for $28,000 and it was because he needed a new motor, as well as also the, the pack and, or at least that's what Tesla was quoting. Right. And, um, you know, we were able to kind of turn that around for a third of the cost. Right. 
um, you know, and, and significant savings for, for these folks. And, you know, and, and, and we've seen all sorts of things, right. Where, you know, and, 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 and to be fair too, right. Like some of these packs are, you know, like, like they're, they're e- either just, you know, weren't well managed. Um, you know, these are also early, you know, versions of these packs. And sometimes they were, you know, this, you know, Meantime, between failures isn't unique to, you know, every other OEM. I mean, Tesla has it too, right? So, um, yeah, no, it, 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 it's really interesting to, to um, you kind of turn that around. And, and, and again, the economics of it, I mean, this guy was, he had just bought this car for like 32000 came off warranty. And now he's, you know, like, they're, they're telling him 28 and he's like, wait, I just bought this, like, um, you know, and I can't even imagine what the banks are thinking about this, right? Which is like, hey, I just lent you, and you know, our, our standard mode is, is that there's X percent down. I mean, walk away from the loan. The banks are sitting on some interesting. Anyway, that's maybe a different conversation too. But I mean, that's actually, I actually yeah, think, yeah, really I, I think the banks have to be looking at this differently too. Which is like, hey, that's great, you're buying a Tesla or any EV, right? Um, by the way, you know, there needs to be some amortized costs against you know something that could go wrong, um, and that, and you know, and there's no nightmare stories here. This is all reasonable stuff, but it's, it's interesting, right? Where, where suddenly a guy buys a car for maybe 32, 34, 36, that's kind of the going rate. And he's suddenly, you know, upside down within three months. I mean, that's nuts. Yeah. That's yeah. So that's a high liability for the bank. That's a really, I never thought about that before. <laughs> yeah. That's I, really I, didn't, interesting. I, I didn't thought about that until, um, until recently. And, and like we've had several um, customers come in, where they're dealing with a, a, a situation where they're like very quickly upside down on these things. Um, you know, and you know, if it's out of your own pocket, that sucks. Um, but if it's out of the bank's pocket, you know, no one wants to be defaulting on loans, of course. But I mean, as far as the bank's concerned, that, that's their, that's their, that's what keeps them awake at night. Anyway, another conversation. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think the most common cause of failure for EV batteries is? Is it environmental? Is it charging habits? I mean, what do you think the, the biggest contributor is? Outside yeah, of well, I mean, and, and it's interesting. I mean, so for sure, charging habits, you know, is one of the bigger drivers. In fact, um, you know, so so you get some owner, some some Tesla owners where they, you know, they never got the level two charger or the two hundred and forty volt charger that they can actually go and do. So they're sitting off this kind of little one hundred and twenty volt charger that plugs into the standard outlet, and that'll cover the commute for on a daily basis, and it will. But at the same time, they they consistently kind of get into these deficits. So then they're they're actually heading off to the supercharger for their weekly top up and stuff. And so you know the balance is, you know you're bringing the cells constantly down and they, they actually need to be up and, and, you know, kind of, they don't have to be in the 80 to 90% range, but that's where you can kind of rebalance them and get them all happy again. Cause you know, um, not sure how familiar you are with these batteries, but they, you know, there's 7,000, 7,000 plus of these actual cells and they all have to be like in perfect balance, like within not just kind of like a couple of volts, like within millivolts, like, four to five millivolts and which is an in, in, you know, insanely great. That's tiny. Yeah, yeah. no, Right. I mean, I mean, imperceptible anyway. So as a result, um, through their charging habits, if they're, if, if, if they're not, you know, consistently kind of getting it back up, you know, and it doesn't mean you always have to have it fully charged, but it just means if you're consistently kind of running in the 20, 30, you know, 40% range, um, then you're getting into a deficit and it's really hard to kind of manage the balance there. So that's charging habits. Then we also just kind of see folks who actually, you know, 
are on a steady diet of, you know, high calorie kind of um, supercharging and stuff like that. And, and we can see that too. And again, the state is there, you know, exactly how much, you know, what percentage of them, you know, is supercharged versus standard AC charge and stuff like that. And you were mentioning these lineups. I think, you know, some of that is that, and I've seen this at, at multiple stations, folks are kind of like, like they're not off on a road trip, right? They're right near home and all the chargers are filled up. And invariably it's just because they're trying to do their weekly fill up and stuff. So, and the supercharging, you know, it, it is a challenge. I mean, totally doable, but it's a, folks need to kind of think of it as like supercharging is a, an amazing convenience, right? And the network is out there and it, 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 it's, it's absolutely awesome, but it's, it's truly kind of a convenience, right? Like if, if you're living on a steady diet of supercharging, um, cause these older cells just, um, they can do it. Um, and, and the, you know, the, the science is there and stuff like that, but on a, on a, on a regular basis, it, it, it's just harder on the older packs and the newer packs that they're, you know, the model three, the model Y and, and, and now the, you know, the new plats and stuff like that, completely different batteries, battery chemistry and stuff like that. They're much, much better at, at dealing with the, the, the supercharging. And then the other big thing we see is that some of the, um, uh, the early Model S's actually had a very specific um, issue on one of the boards. Um, um, so just quick overview of the architecture. There's 16 modules in, in the battery pack. There's one battery management system, which is your, kind of your main ECU for that. And then there's these little, um, you know, um, secondaries, we now call them, right? Secondary boards that are on each individual module. And they're just, you know, just dumb boards. They're just reporting voltage, you know, temperature, that kind of stuff. Um, but there's something very specific to the, you know, the physical nature of the board or something like that causing, I don't know if it was a manufacturing defect or whatever, but there's a very, you know, they call it a, um, a cell six or brick six issue where each module has six bricks in it. And then okay. um, the brick six consistently fails on the voltage read. So as a result, now the BMS has no clue what the voltage is on, on that, um, on that particular module. And so it's forced to shut it down. Now it's uh, what, um, what Tesla was able to do is actually go out and say, rather than, you know, you know, <laughs> um, you know, dispose of all these batteries, what they're able to do is actually through software, they can actually interpolate and just say, Hey, by the way, we know what the total voltage for this module is. And for the entire pack, obviously this voltage just didn't just disappear and they can interpolate that, but they can only do it for so long. And so what, what we see is when they, um, when they finally have to kind of give up on that interpolation mechanism, then we actually need to go and replace the board. Um, and that's actually, um, I mean, it's a $36 part, right? Wow. Um, okay. Right. And now, replacing it's maybe a little more difficult, but what's, what's that? Sorry. This is replacing it. It's quite a bit more difficult. Yeah, I mean, getting part, into, heavy I mean, labor. I don't know if you, your folks have seen, I mean, the, these battery packs are, you know, appropriately they're armored, right? They are yeah. extremely hard to, to crack open the newer, the, the, the newer battery packs on the model three and, and beyond. Um, they just got a lot smarter about how, how they devised it still safely, but, um, but yeah, so getting in and actually, um, swapping out this board is not, um, uh, uh particularly a fun undertaking, <laughs> but, um, but the great thing is, is that a perfect example, you know, 16 out of 16 modules are in perfect shape. In fact, actually, we had a customer from Woodenville um, uh, uh, ship their car down, which is 
if you think about it, kind of insane. Um, and they uh, shipped it down. Um, we were able to kind of swap out um, the board. We actually found out there was a an- another um, board was about to fail and kind of go and kind of solve that problem. Because, you know, like I said, at, at that point, you know, battery pack, the battery management system sees it as a, you know, it's just failing. It doesn't have any insight in terms of what's going on. And like I said, it shuts it down. So that's exactly what, we, you know, and, but great thing. We were able to, you know, get the customer's car back on the road um, in great shape. Yeah. Car back on the road, much more environmentally friendly than yeah, replacing exactly. a pack. I mean, that's good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, like so, I said, I mean, um, there's a lot of money that's going gone into these cars. So people want to, you know, reasonably see some return on them. Yeah, I mean, early adopters. I mean, we still are. Is if you think about it, automotive, automobiles on the road have been around for about a hundred years now, in, yeah. in the mainstream. And then, t- if you think about it, EVs have been on the road in mass for about ten, about ten years, I think, is when we've seen. I mean, they came out what two thousand nine was really, uh, but well, two thousand ten is really. So, so two thousand twelve was the first mo- uh, model year for the uh, the Model S, and I yeah, think so they- ten years. Yeah, and so they delivered, I think, 2000 and 2012. Yeah. So it's really, I mean, you don't see many 2012s. Um, so it's 2013s and stuff like that. And, you know, we're slowly starting to see some 2014s as they kind of come out warranty as well. So, yeah, it's interesting. And, I mean, and, and let's be clear, right? It's a tidal wave that's coming, right? Like, like we're sitting here, and I used to say five years, and it's now four. <laughs> right. These Model 3s are going to start um, coming off warranty. Um, uh, totally different architecture, much more robust. Um, and that's not to say the Model S. I mean, when I first started looking at these battery packs, um, you know, we've all seen great engineering in our careers. Um, and um, the engineering of Tesla is outstanding. It's it's bar none the best engineering I've ever seen. Um, that said, they also sometimes get too smart for their own good. <laughs> but, um, you know, door handles, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, or, 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 you know, wait. Falcon doors. Yeah, doors and, and, and stuff like that. But, um, I mean, it's truly some of the best. So, but, you know, the stuff that's going into the Model 3s and the Ys and stuff like that, and, and now these plaids and stuff, is just, just phenomenal. Just phenomenal. Um, so it's yeah, the performance is game changer. I mean, are you guys going to start branching off from Tesla as you see? Cause I mean, yeah, everything's no. going electronic now. Yeah, no, no. And, and, and that's interesting. Some people um, say, Oh, you're, you know, Tesla fanboy and stuff like that. And, and most of the folks who are actually in this space actually aren't. Um, um, and that, and, and, and the reality is, is that the, the product that's out there is Tesla. I'm actually a Porsche guy. Great, great shirt, by the way. Um, um, <laughs> yeah, no, in fact, I was, I was saying to my wife the other day, like, you know, this is all just a scam. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm just waiting for the Taycans to, to, to come off more, right? I mean, you know, I've you know, got my 911s and I've got a, a 66 out, out in the garage and stuff like that. Nice. Um, you know, so I'm a Porsche guy. Um, and so I'm just waiting for the, for those to come along. So to, to answer your question, we're absolutely agnostic about um, the electric vehicles. Like, couldn't care less uh, who, where they come from. Um, but at, at this point, those are the, those are the ones in the market and those are the ones that we can go out and tackle. Um, actually, we didn't bring it down with us to Texas, which was a shame, but we had a, um, a Fiat 500E and we love that car. Like just like powered by laughing, like laughing gas. Cause you get it. It's so much fun. It's got the same, you know, zero to 30. It's got the same acceleration as a Tesla. Like it just does. And so like great city car, you can drive anywhere and stuff like that. But, um, 
but you know, like, you know, we picked ours up for, and it was three years into an eight year warranty. We picked it up for like $5,600 because they're all coming off of lease in California. Um, but you know, wow. th there's no world in which you're going to go out and replace a battery pack on a car. That's at best of 56 to, you know, now they're gone up, but even at $8,000, you like, at that point, you are just kind of swapping out packs, and, and, and hopefully the, the the pack is being refurbished for the right things. And then same thing with the the, the 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 Leafs as well. And these are all great cars, but just that kind of kind of secondary market just doesn't exist on the at least in, in the battery pack battery pack world. But that will absolutely change. I mean, you know, I was going to say that's just because it's all new right now. Right now, everything's new, expensive, oh. and in, oh. in as, as far as cars go, rare. It's not yeah. like an engine. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. I think about it though. I mean, um, I was, Nick and I have been talking a lot about, uh, the F-150 Lightning because I'm a huge fan. Yeah. I'm like, I yeah. get the utility of a truck in an actually oddly great commuter. As long as I don't have a, a tight parking area to go to because it's a full size truck, I'm like, I get all, all the benefits of an electric car, all the room of a truck, and 99% of us, no matter what we say, including myself and my Raptor, are just driving to and from work no, and absolutely. going to Costco I, yeah. and Home Depot pickups. And I never made, made that leap the way, way you did. Like, I mean, I grew up in pickup trucks, right? Love pickup mm -hmm. trucks. In fact, when we first started coming down to Texas, I, you know, first thing I went to the car, you know, the Hertz guy was like, give me a pick -em up truck, King Cab, the whole works, right? <laughs> um, so, so absolutely love them, but, you know, I, I just can't, you know, and, no judgment, but I just can't get like, we're not going to commute in this thing. This thing is like backhand light, right? So it's like <laughs> the, the absolute worst handling and, you know, can't accelerate, you know, meaningfully anyway. And then on top of that, it's just, you know, it's an air trap and stuff. But make that electric, sign me up. And in fact, actually, it's interesting. Um, so I had actually had the deposit down for the for the lightning from day one, also for the cyber truck as well, never to, <laughs> never to appear. But um, we were right in the midst of, you know, kicking off this new service center here, here in um, uh, South Boston and stuff like that. And, um, you know, and actually literally missed my, my reservation. I actually got the email from, and I knew it was coming, right? I mean, there's all sorts of, you know, things going on even down here in terms of the rollout and stuff. But I actually like literally was missing the emails. They finally said, Hey, we're giving you your hundred dollars back. But, um, <laughs> but no, I mean, but there's plenty of opportunities, right? I mean, just, yeah. this, this isn't going away, right? This isn't going away. And and that's exactly but, it, right? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, and we talked about it before on the show, but so I'm repeating for some of the listeners, but the F-150 is the best-selling vehicle in America, not just truck. It's the best-selling vehicle in America. If anybody can make electric mainstream, the F-150 is the way to do it. Because, well, on top of that, Ford's a smart company, right? I'm, you know, yeah. unlike the others, but, um, but, um, yeah, no, in, in fact, it's super interesting right now. Like, you actually see, you know, like Rivian and, and is obviously out there, but, but, you know, Ford is out there and like the Cybertruck is nowhere to be seen, right? Yeah. And it's like, you know, 2023, you know, like, oh, maybe, right? And, um, you know, now part of it's like, oh, it's a total miss and, you know, missing the segment, which it is. But at the same time, you know, Tesla's sitting there going, wait, we're, we're making, you know, you know, boatloads of money every day on these Model Ys and 3s, right? Like, you know, so they're actually, you know, probably somewhere, you know, someone's doing the, the dollars and just like, yeah, that's great. And we're missing the segment, like, dramatically. <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, they're they're just plowing through. And I think they're doing 2,000 cars a day. I don't know if that's globally or North America, but, but I mean, like, that's a lot, right? 
That's um, a lot of cars. And that. And so, you know, they're just looking at where they, you know, kind of go build out the opportunity. But, um, you know, say what you will about the design. They've, they've obviously, I mean, they just completely lost that, you know, the, that opportunity. I mean, first mover advantage on that is like gone, right? And, and when yeah. you're looking at Rivian and, and the F-150, far more approachable, right? I mean, just to be honest, I mean, certainly far more approachable. And, um, and, and um, you know, you know, just like they're, they're eating Tesla's lunch at this point. Now, Tesla's just saying, hey, but we're like, you know, I'm gourmet over here. So that's probably how it's worked. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, so I wanted to talk to you more about, uh, well, I want to talk to you more about you, but I, before we jump into that, I do have one last very technical question. Yeah, sure. I, sort of one of the main things I wanted to approach on this episode was that the, how is this affecting the power grid as far as like, I mean, literally people are just telling people to run AC at certain times of the day. And then you're like, yeah, go plug. But we want you to go, go EV with a, you know, 50 amp yeah, <laughs> circuit yeah. 240 volt. No. And, and like, uh, right. I don't and, know if that and, balances. Right. And, 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 and I always kind of chuckle a bit too, right? Because there's all this clickbait, like Californians told, especially here in Texas, right? Californians told yeah. to not, you know, charge their cars. Oh, we told you, right? Um, and now, of course, we're, we're getting the announcements like, hey, would you mind coming back off on, you know, just make sure you don't charge your EV. <laughs> so it's like, oh. <laughs> but, but, but here's the reality, right? And, um, you know, I, I used to work on some progress and stuff, and I'm hardly an expert expert, but, but at the same time, you know, for, for um for utilities, one of their biggest costs is what T and D, which is transmission distribution, right? Um where 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 that cost is actually as high or higher than the actual generation of the kilowatt, right? That that kilowatt hour is actually, you know, distributing is actually some of their bigger cost, right? And and, and some of their, their bigger challenges. In fact, you know, when we think of like Seattle City Light and you know Utilities handing out like credits on on dishwashers and, and and light bulbs and stuff. You know, certainly they're wanting to do the right thing for the environment and things like that. But it's actually, you know, for, for them, it, it, it's fundamentally you know reduction in major capital costs in terms of the transmission distribution for them. So it's a really you know transmission distribution is a really big challenge, right? In fact, that's the biggest challenge. In fact, that's why this conversation was prompted. Where I chuckle, though, is that, you know, the grid is set up to deal with peaks, right? And, you know, and that's fundamentally what it's about. There's no lack of capacity in terms of generation capacity behind behind the grid, right? Just, you know, fire up whatever plant, hydroelectric, wind. Well, when, but, but the point is, is that the actual generation of those kilowatt hours is – that's not the challenge, right? The challenge is meeting that peak. So, but I mean, and here in Texas right now, and you, I, I thought it was funny. You guys are like, you know, I'm, I'm from the Northwest originally, right? Everyone's moaning about 94. I mean, it's 109, 110. I mean, yeah. We had a friend in <laughs> Arizona where it's 114, 115. Um, so it's felt kind of cool for her. <laughs> here at 110. But I mean, I mean, we're getting a cool spell of like 99 this week right um but but the point is is that that you know so the grid is kind of to deal with these peaks uh, car charging is a perfect opportunity to kind of offload that base you know um, offload that peak and you know just charge after eight, eight, eight o'clock in fact that's actually the 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 misconception around this whole kind of clickbait headline is is that like oh you can't charge your cars and the answer is no 
They're asking you to charge it anywhere after eight. And every one of these cards has a scheduling function to say, go charge it after eight o'clock. Right. And then it's no problem. In fact, if they yeah, can plug it in, forget it. And it just does on its own. For, eight well, o'clock. A, a, a that, but then on, on top of that, like, and again, the utilities kind of dealing, struggling with peak, if they can actually understand and kind of flatten that and, you know, kind of go out and contract for additional kilowatt hours and stuff like that. And that's not to say like, Oh, you know, like this is not a non-issue. I mean, for sure. It's a, it, it, it's a challenge. And, and there's a lot of utility folks who, who with, with, you know, sleepless nights and stuff around this kind of thing. But um, it's not, it's not the electric vehicles that are doing this, right? It's the, you know, the AC. Now our house, we, we've got actually, 13 kilowatts up on our roof. So we we meet the demand curve perfectly. In fact, we've got guilt-free AC here at home, right? But but that's because it's, you know, we're offset, you know, if it's hotter, sunnier, we're getting more solar, we're, we're, we're doing that stuff. But um, no, it's, it's just kind of dealing with the peak load. The AC is already running. People come home, light up the oven, the lights, everything else, refrigeration, all that kind of stuff, maybe do some laundry and stuff like that. And until eight o'clock, I mean, that's where that kind of three to eight is that peak demand. Now, yeah, if, if, if you're charging your car peak load, then yeah, that, that's a challenge. And, you know, and there's some, definitely some user education around this, or user education, let's tell so tech. Anyway, RTFM, the, as we like to say. The, the, but the point is, is that, when you get into time of use pricing, which is perfect, right? Right, like, and you know, they yeah. do this around California. So it's just like, guess what? Charge your EV all you want. We're going to charge you 30, 40 cents a kilowatt hour, or whatever it is, right? And 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 then very quickly, you learn how to charge it. You know, learn how that scheduling function works on your Tesla or any other EV, and you, you set it for eight, eight o'clock. So it's a super simple problem. In fact, I think of the um, you know the 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 tollings on the, the, the 405, right? Right. When they first opened them, people were saying like, oh, no one's using them and, and stuff like that. It was like, to me, it was just like, that's a pricing issue. That's not because the demand isn't there. It's a pricing issue. Bring a price. You know, I think that, I don't know what the price was, but it was just very high. Lo and behold, yeah. they brought the price down. Everyone's using them, right? So same same thing, right? You, you know, and, and you, you can drive education through pricing, right? So time of use pricing is how you kind of fundamentally solve that problem. And, and rightly so, because, you know, like, People want to kill the grid at some point, then then they can pay accordingly and stuff like that. If they want to be, you know, more cost effective about that, they can kind of go solve those problems. So yeah, I always have this kind of chuckle around this one, which is, which is like, listen, the grid is built for the already built for the peak, right? Um, you know, and and contracting additional kilowatt hours um, off peak is you know, go ahead and build that and contract that. It's not to say it's not a, I was looking, a challenging problem, but but it's it's not the same kind of headline kind of thing that you're kind of seeing um, left and right, especially right now. Yeah, that's why I asked because I'm like, there's always more to it than the clickbaity headlines. Yeah. And one yeah. of the things I saw proposed was that uh, they had said so. Think of it like it. They said they they need to we need to start thinking of charging like we do think of gas stations. We don't go to the gas station, pull the pump off, and get gas directly from a pipeline. Right. We get gas from a storage tank. Right. And they said what they what the the proposition to remedy this was is that we have massive energy storage that is refilled at night, basically on off peak hours. And then when you go to the supercharger at you know three in the afternoon, you're pulling from reserve storage that's already on hold for you. It's like basically energy on tap, and so you're not pulling it from the grid; you're pulling it from another battery, battery to battery. Right. It's like, huh? And 
Uh, I, I had never, for some reason, that never occurred to me until I read the article. It was, I forget where it was. I think it was like it was BBC or something. It wasn't like a, a clickbaity source. It was- well, and, and, and here's the interesting thing. So in, they call it P2G, so point to grid um, or distributed generation. Um, and they've actually talked about this. And I picked up a Wired magazine. Like, this is probably 1998 or 90, 99 or something like that. And the ability, they were first looking at like, hey, these EVs will come. Can we actually hook them up bidirectionally into the grid? And in fact, I mean, and this could be even months away. Um, Tesla's already talked about point-to-grid capability or um, bidirectional flow in terms of at least kind of managing their charger units that are on the wall. They can talk intelligently and kind of pull back on on demand if, if, if demand's too high or, or, or something like that. But, I mean, the ability to actually have these EVs plugged into your effectively your home, your, your own kind of personal power grid um, and backup power. Like, I mean, and let's be clear, right? I mean, the stored energy in an, in an EV is enough to power your house for two to three days. Like forget everything else, just it'll power for two to three days. And so as a result, um, yeah, I mean, you, and like I said, this could be months away, but certainly within the next probably even two, three years, you'll, you'll see bi-directional flow um, between EVs. So, you know, the utilities can get in there and kind of contract that ability to kind of like manage that. That So if you have all these EVs now kind of surging into the grid during that peak and then kind of then pulling out and charging back, you know, um, and then kind of pulling that charge back at night and all sorts of things. I mean, tons of opportunity around grid reliability. Um, the, the notion that the power source is actually distributed and right out at, at the actual point of use is pretty spectacular. Um, you know, folks call it micro generation, um, point to grid, all these kind of, kinds of things. Yeah, no, and, and, and that's actually, um, I'm confident that's within easily two, three years and, you know, we're a software update away on these Teslas to be able to kind of do this kind of thing. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's already sort of Ford hit it again with the lightning. One of the coolest things that I would never use, but I think it's just amazing is the fact that it has a 240 volt plug in the bed. Yeah. 9.6 kilowatt hours of output yeah. with a 200, with a 240 volt outlet, like yeah. right in the bed. Like if you yeah. want to run a yeah. full, full size, heavy duty table saw, just plug it into your truck. Well, I mean, I'm like, why can't I run my house off that? I, I, I mean, so you could technically, yeah, no, in fact, we just moved from Mercer on. We, we had a, a 10 kilowatt generac, right. And, you know, so yeah. no, you're right. It's not going to run your dryer and your oven, but the rest of the house kind of, you know, power line goes down all the time there <laughs> and just kind of, <laughs> kind of light it up. And that's exactly what happens. Yeah, no. So, so, I mean, yeah, the lightning is exactly, um, exactly the same. In fact, we're working on a, um, so we've got a mobile lab. Right where we can actually, you know, kind of run these packs, test them, go like rip up, like literally go up to the Gigafactory. You know, we do a long range test on this kind of stuff, and it's basically you got this 2014 Model S that we've got, and, and um, we've hooked it up. But I mean, we're actually going to also drive some power like off of it, so you could actually plug it in, um, you know, um, just like a generator as well, and kind of plug it back into the house as well here too. Um, you know, and then also it becomes cool. a mobile charging capabilities as well. Now, not everyone's calling us for, you know, roadside assistance on this kind of stuff, but, but we'll have that kind of capability in terms of kind of showing off what you can do with technology and also kind of some thought leadership right now and stuff. Yeah. Well, future's wide open. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Let's talk more about, uh, about you being a car guy, because I know you're a Porsche guy, like you said, yeah. and uh, you were an Avance member. And uh, yeah, how did you get your start in cars in general? I mean, you, uh, you, yeah, no, it, it goes it, beyond just your business here. No, no, it's a great question, actually. Um, 
Yeah, I've, I've been working, um, and my parents had a 67 VW Beetle. And, um, and my dad and I worked on that all the time. And then also my buddies, I think one of our, my circle of buddies, his older brother, um, had a, a Beetle. And we're, we're living up in Vancouver, but he would go down to, I think it was SIR, right? And he would go down to SIR and kind of race things and stuff like that. So been working on, on Volkswagens and Porsches since, since like, like literally was a kid you know, 14, 15 years old, my dad, you know, my job was to hold the light while my dad kind of worked, worked on things, but, but he was great that way. And in terms of just, um, you know, showing me how, how, how all this stuff worked and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, and I've repaired my car since, since day one, it was interesting. It was kind of this dark period, right. Where you, you could repair your car and then everything went over to an ECU and you had no ability to, to kind of dig into the, car that got some what was going on so there's kind of like these dark ages i don't know it was about 10 years or so where you couldn't kind of work on your car and i finally got pissed off with this right and um and i went into carter vw to get you know like some you know evap valve kind of fix and stuff and they wanted 300 dollars for it and i found this kind of vagcom right the vagcom software for the yeah. vws and stuff and this is kind of early days and I, I found it and it was like wait i can pay like you know, you know, 50 bucks for the part and actually get all these error codes and all this kind of stuff. And so then I, you know, like totally dug in, you know, into the CAN bus and started kind of playing around with that. So, so really cool. In fact, that's actually how this, you know, this Tesla state um, stuff came about because all this data is coming off of these battery packs and it's all CAN data. And, and now, you know, they actually have overloaded the actual bus where you like they've actually had to upgrade the network where where you know they're they're spewing through megabits of data. Um I don't know if it's megabits, but a lot. Right. Um something that can was actually never designed to use. Anyway, but so all this data pouring off these battery packs and across the network. Um, you know, right down to I think, you know, hundred hertz kind of response times in terms of some of the data that they're they're spewing out and stuff like that. Anyway, so you kind of started going reverse engineering and hacking through it and stuff. So that's huh. that's what we made. Uh, can, for listeners, sorry, not uh, a lot of our listeners are not big car people actually, which is nice. Thank you for listening. But uh, the CAN bus is a common term. It's a, it's oh, a standard. It's a controller. Contro- no, no, it's okay. Happens all the time. So CAN bus stands for CAN controller area network. It's sort of like the nervous system of your car it connects everything together. Uh, that's the very layman's terms of it. I'm going super high level. I try and keep it at that. But that, think of that. A CAN bus is not just the wiring, though. It's like all the signals and everything. Right. It's literally think of it like more like a nervous system and not just the nerves. It's so everything that goes in it as well. Bosch for the Porsches originally. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and that's I maybe mean, the idea was to actually reduce the wiring, right? Rather than running you know signals back and forth right. with all these components, you could actually just talk to them and make them do their own thing. So, yeah. Yeah, little modules everywhere talking to each yeah, other. Exactly. So, cool anyway, yeah, exactly. Cool. Yeah. So, so. Yeah, I worked on cars since I was so I was a kid. Kind of got a bit farther along into the can side of things. I'd always always been a fan of electric cars. In fact, for years I had this book, you know, convert your S10 to electric, right? Because um, at the time S10 pickups were a great way to, to go do it, as long as it was, it was both your 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 S10 and your um, um, your um, VW Rabbit. Right. I mean, that's how far we're going back. Yeah. Right. I remember um, that. And for years I had this book. I was like, oh, I'm going to convert a car. I'm going to convert a car, convert a car. Um, and, you know, and, and that dream still lives. But but now. Right. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, the manufacturer. I mean, we're well past the tipping point on, on, on these EVs and, and, and things like that. So 
Um, so it's kind of interesting. In fact, I had a guy come in the shop. Oh, like, Hey, you know, I was thinking about a conversion. And it was like, I love the idea of a, of a conversion. And if you're passionate about that particular car, that's awesome, but it makes no monetary sense, right? Like there's just no way you like, you know, that you'll ever be able to convert a, a car for some reason, like well beyond the cost of a used, you know, 2013, 2014 Model S, for example. Right? Yeah, it's cool to do. Just no, like I love Resto Mod electric you know, cars, super cool. But yeah, totally not a not a not a money saving venture by any means. No, but, but if you're passionate about the, that particular car, like yeah. I said, we've got a '66 shell, um, and you like that that will that will be electric. Mode. We'll go to it because there's nowhere there's nowhere near Concours, right? So there's no problem kind of doing what we're going to do to it. Um, but at the same time, um, yeah, no, and it's interesting. Anyway, so. For years, wanted to kind of do an electric conversion, and finally, the market kind of beat me to it. Cool. Um, are you guys that actually? If somebody wanted to do electric, I know I know a lot of people are taking Tesla components because they're obviously the right. most prevalent on the market yeah. to do that. Um, is do you have a, a resale market at all? Do people do approach you that with that ask relatively often, or is it a well? One of the things we do have is I've never looked into it. I mean, so you know. Because we're dealing with a lot of these packs, um, you know, some of these modules that are in perfectly good condition, but not right or balanced for for that individual pack. Um, yeah, we, we have kind of an kind of an aftermarket sales for for um, certainly some of the modules. Um, we're not in the dismantling business, so we're not pulling motors out. In fact, we actually work. Right. With, you know, folks will provide us with a, a remanufactured motor. Uh, our our focus is on the batteries, right? We have some folks come and say, Hey, can you replace the motor? And we've got a you know, couple in stock that we kind of say, Hey, and by the way, we're going to work on your battery. We'll work on your motor too. But we're not out there um, today, at least do, doing a motor. So I think there's a great opportunity there, but, but yeah. Um, so yeah, so some people um, do, but primarily, I mean, folks know us for the, you know, for the, for the battery work. Cool. Um, I was going to ask you one more thing. Uh, as you've looked at different battery technologies, Tesla, Porsche, the newer, the Rivians that are coming on the scene, is there anybody who you think has got a clear edge? I mean, Tesla's been in the longest. You've got great technology, but is there anybody who's got something out there that you're like, this is this is something to watch? Yeah, there's a small company called Tesla that has. No, I mean, I mean, <laughs> no, like seriously, when you look at it, um, and in fact, when you look at the, the latest um, cell technologies that they're developing and stuff like that. So, you know, if you'd asked me two, three years ago, it would be like, oh, you know, Tesla has a ten-year, you know, lead on 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 the rest of the competitors, um, but they'll eventually catch up. But I'm seeing some of the latest um, pack technology, and, and it's being developed right up here in in Austin. Um, it's crazy what what they're 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 doing, and and so I actually think that they're actually continuing to just even pull away, right? Um, and uh, just, I mean. When you look at the packs that they've just developed for the, you know, the you know, Plaid class um, uh, Model S's, and then what's going into the threes and the Ys, um, you know, we'll eventually see it in the Cybertruck and the, you know, the, the, the lower level um, version that they're working on. Um, it's it's like incredibly insane. Like like they're they're just their engineering is truly that good, and they're also you know I mean they're I was going to say they're vertically integrated, which is true. And so the rest of the OEMs, but I mean, they've just been like, um, I mean, just, yeah, their engineering is like phenomenal. So I actually don't see that. And, and I've actually worked with, so I've former, formerly worked at, at Continental AG, like, you know, tire folks, but also all the telematics and, and stuff. And, um, OEMs are just 
slow and terrible and they're like awful at software, just awful at software. I mean, in, in yes, fact, right, VW CEO stepped down and they just like threw, threw them overboard because it wasn't because they wasn't developing great cars. It was because they, they were just so far behind on, on the, on the software side. Um, and you know, well, we, anybody who's we, ever used an OEM infotainment unit in anything oh, can vouch yeah. for how terrible software is in cars. <laughs> no, and then we used to work like hand in hand with the, the folks at Audi who like really good sense of, you know, form factors and, and, and all that kind of stuff, but just disastrous, disastrous. And I, I guess, you know, we're, we're software guys. So we kind of look at these things differently. I mean, it, it, it's like looking at Blackberry and when you got handed Pearl for the first time and you're just like, this is, and, and they hand you the, you know, the, the user manual that was this thick. Meanwhile, someone hand you this iPhone that didn't have one. And it was just, yeah. it was just like, like these guys are like, and, and you know, it literally did take two or three years. Like the biggest, you know, mobile phone manufacturer platform capability just disappeared off the face of the earth. Right. Um, yeah. And that, so just, yeah, like just, just terrible at software. Anyway. So, you know, and, and, and we know that, right. Like, you know, we've got a 2018 model three of, of our own and um, it's never looked better. Right. My, my wife has a, we've got an ML 350, beautiful car. Great. Fabulous engineering drives. Great. Love it. And stuff like that. But we're staring, staring at this kind of same 2013 kind of, you know, <laughs> rear backup camera that's like this. Right. And, and so, <clears throat> you know, that locked, locked in hardware firmware stuff is just you know and the map hasn't been updated in, in in just as long right meanwhile our model three i mean again performance upgrades first year i mean they added all sorts of additional performance and stuff and it slows down obviously um with some time but i mean i mean these model model s's that we're getting into the shop I mean, are still getting software updates, right? In fact, to the point where it's a challenge for us, right? Because, because you know, Tesla kind of tucked some other stuff in there around the battery management system, and then we're like pulling our hair out how to tr- figure out how we kind of go deal with the latest patch and stuff. But they're doing that, right? So, yeah. No, sorry, back to your original question. Um, yeah, I, I just don't um, like the the, the battery technology, the battery management. Um, you know, and obviously these companies have smart people there, there, there's no question, but, but I just, I actually think, like I said, I think actually Tesla's pulling it even further ahead on this kind of stuff, you know, and, and the other OEMs will develop very good, um, um, you know, capable, um, um, you know, obviously EVs and, you know, and Musk has said this himself, I mean, huge amount of respect for the German car manufacturers and the build quality and all that kind of stuff. He's straight up loves it. Um, but I don't think they'll ever match the range, at least at this point. Right. And that's what it's coming down to, right. The performance is there. It's just, you know, current and bolts and kind of, I mean, the Taycan is a 800 volt, you know, no surprise. I mean, it should perform. Yeah. And then on top of that, they know how to build a performance suspension and everything else that goes into a car. The Tesla doesn't, right? But um, yeah. yeah. But when and and so they'll develop very capable um, electric vehicles. But I think it's going to be years before they actually truly kind of meet that bar. Uh, Lucid might be the one interesting one, um, but X, you know, founders X, you know, he was the chief engineer for the Model S and stuff, so he kind of yeah. figured yeah. out, right? Um, Makes sense. And by the way, I would encourage uh, folks to listen to your podcast. Um, 
to go check out just some of the informational videos that Luce has put out. And it's actually the, the founder and he, he walks through it. And of course I'm the battery guy. So I'm like all over it. Um, and, but he walks through it and like foundations, fundamentals of like power versus energy, you know, energy density, power density, all those kinds of things. And, you know, how you kind of make all that fit and stuff like that. And in fact, it's actually, um, I always kind of laugh when someone says they're going to take a Tesla motor and put it into like a BMW 202 or just something like, and it's just like, no, that's never going to happen. And it's just like, people need to understand that, that the reason the Model S is so big and has such a huge wheelbase is because it needs that in order to develop that kind of power, it needs a really big pack. Right. And it's not just energy yeah. capacity, but it's power density. Right. So people are kind of like, oh, I'm going to put a 350, you know, horsepower such and such into this car. And it's like, sure, you are, but you're never going to get the battery pack in there. I mean, it's kind of like the Saturn rocket type of thing. Yeah. We're just like, you only get, you know, into that chassis, you're never going to get that power density in there. So I always kind of have a, a chuckle when folks talk about what they're going to go, go do with this Tesla drive. And it's like, dude, that's, that's, way too much power like perfect amount of power and applaud you but you will never get a battery pack that will fit into that chassis to, to deliver the power that you hope you'll get so it's always interesting and again i'm the battery yeah, yeah it, so i can go no it's a fun idea but uh, maybe 20 years from now when we have some new tech battery technology that yeah. shrinks it way down right, right. for now and, and literally it comes down to power density right and the energy is there you can yeah. deal with it is the, the power density and the ability to deliver that so yeah. Anyway, yeah, the lucid stuff's beautiful. That's uh, I'm glad you brought that up. That was my. I was wondering if they were one to watch because uh, everybody I've talked to who's worked on lucids or who's done some work with the project, and there are actually quite a few of us members who who have and haven't talked about it too much. Right. And they have just been like, it's amazing. It's an amazing car. Well, Fit and I mean, finish is top notch. Beautiful inside and out. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, and, and to be clear, right. Um, and the only reason I wouldn't have kind of gone with lucid off the off the top is is that building cars is a really hard problem. Right. I mean, Tesla yeah. was, you know, days, weeks, hours away from bankruptcy. Right. Like they, it's kind of like that Apollo 13 where you've got to completely thread that needle to, to bring it on home. Right. And they just barely did. Right. You know, in my view, people are saying, oh, Tesla, you know, don't buy a Tesla. They're, you know, they're going to be gone. It's like, no, 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 they're not going to be gone. You might have a question of who owns them. But I mean, they, they were never going to disappear. They're just just not going to, and they won't. They they won't ever disappear. But I mean, you know, I can see Tesla filing for bankruptcy, like you know, because you can get upside down on your cash flow so quickly. So my point here is with Lucid is that um, no surprise, right? The pedigree is, is there, the engineering is there, the thoughtfulness. You know, what would I do differently in terms of what the, the Model S is? And, and in fact, you know, that's yeah. probably kind of straightforward, which is like, I don't have a lawn in my face, so now I can go <laughs> build the things that, 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 that are necessary. Or I, I mean, the man's a you know, walking entropy generator, right? <laughs> but, but at the same <laughs> yeah. time, um, no, but but it's a challenge, right? Like, like you know, Ford and GM have been at this for a hundred plus years, supply chain, all those things are really, really, really hard problems. And so the only thing I would say about Lucid would be the same thing I'd say about Tesla, you know, 10 years ago it was just like, you know, it's going to be very tough for them. Right. And it's not, not through lack of technology or it's not about the car or anything like that. It's just, it's a really hard problem. 
right? Right. And and yeah. Tesla barely made it through that. So Lucid maybe can. I, re- I remember that. Right. Yeah. And, and I, mean, I, I was worried they were going to be another Tucker, honestly, because I was like, man, if they're too good too early, the the, the big OEMs are going to try and kill them off. And I don't I think they're one of the lucky breaks Elon had and not that, that he has. I think he had multiple. Not that he's had luck. He had multiple lucky breaks, but I'm not saying it's all luck. But I'm just saying is that I don't think they actually expected it to be as successful as it was. So they didn't give it the attention oh, no, they absolutely. gave to like right. Tucker back I mean, in the fifties. They were like, "This is this is dude. No, no, no. Let's just oh, watch it fail." No, no. And then it was like, they, boom. They, they they dropped the ball and stared at it, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Just like it's one thing to drop it, but then just stare at it and watch. Like who's going to pick yeah. this one up? Um, yeah, no, I mean, and 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 pretty classic. But even even aside from any other competition, it's just a hard like just supply chain, all this kind of stuff. Um, you know, and integration and, you know, just everything. And it's an, an inten- you know, intensely capital intensive problem. Right. And so, yeah. uh, so that's my only caution around lucid. It, 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 it's not actually a, um, it, it, it's not a commentary on the, on the technology. In fact, what I've seen so far just looks really smart and sharp. And, you know, as, as the guy who actually works on these batteries, just kind of like, mm, cause these packs can be, incredibly frustrating at times um and the, you know, more often than not the firmware is harder to deal with than than the actual physical battery and stuff um so you know i'm eating this up as i'm watching these videos oh great you're doing this fabulous thank you um and and that and um but um yeah but I, I, it's just it's such a hard problem and, and like i said no judgment on technology it's just hard and that's true of rivian too Right now, they seem to be yeah. super well capitalized, and, um, and I don't know how they got all the money from Amazon and stuff like that. But um, but but that's the kind of the, the biggest challenge. And, but then that just comes down to who owns them, not whether they succeed. Yeah, we're a little over that's on right. time, but I have one. Yeah. I have one last yeah, question. Sure. I thought of that. I'm dying to know that. I know you'd have some insight on how do you think a right to repair is going to f- come into Ooh. all these EV makers. Yeah, yeah. So we talked about the firmware, and we're we're almost dealing with us. We're oddly dealing with car companies becoming software companies. Yeah. No, no. Like really? It, it, no, it's it, it's interesting. In fact, I was on Tesla forum actually making this, you know, alluding to this this comment. I mean, Tesla has a real, you know, fundamental disconnect on private property, right? Like they have this yeah. idea that they still kind of own the car even eight years later, and and their ability to kind of go in and do. Uh, do things that they really shouldn't be. And I'm sure the FTC, you know, like if someone started really kind of complaining about it, just, 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 you know, just, yeah, super questionable stuff. Um, but, 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 but not, not cause uh, I don't think it's necessarily malevolence. It's just like too close to it. Right. It's just like, you know, Microsoft back in the, I'm sorry, but Microsoft back in the nineties, right. They were just too close to, to the, you know, what they were working on and, and, where the ownership was, but yeah, so right to repair, um, Tesla's terrible at it, right? It's just <laughs> awful, right? They're just like, and, and, you know, and they're, they're, you know, kind of pushing and, 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 you know, um, they're being pushed, you know, um, by the feds and stuff to kind of open the stuff up and, and things like that. But, you know, not to be fair to them, but, but at the same time, They've actually only been at this 10 years, right? GM and Ford have been in it 100 plus years. And the concept of right to repair, um, kind of crazy. And I'll tell you a story, and it's really interesting. And I think it's illustrative of this issue. So you need to get a, 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 um, 
some bolts for some control arms, right? We've got a parts supplier up in Austin that we deal with them, you know, the, the Tesla parts counter and stuff. Um, but I went to the one in San Antonio because we're kind of halfway in between. And uh, just, I mean, literally four control arm bolts. And, oh, do you have the VIN? Yep, great. And they tie everything to the VIN and, and stuff like that, which is, yeah. why do you need the VIN? Okay, great, great. You want to know the exact model, fine, and aligning the, the parts. That's how it's helpful. Oh, do you own the car? Well, it turns out I did. But that shouldn't matter, right? <laughs> in terms of like, yeah. hey, you don't own the car. You have no businesses. And then the dude asked me for my ID. And he wanted to, like, verify that not only I was the owner, I was the owner who said he was the owner. And, I mean, imagine going into a Ford parts department and being asked for ID. Imagine doing that in Texas, right? Someone (laughs) asked you for your ID, they were going to pull out something different, right? It's a car, not a gun. No, absolutely. (laughs) And and so it's just a fundamental disconnect in terms of – in terms of kind of right to repair and all this kind of stuff. And so, you know, they've started opening this up with, you know, they've got toolbox, which is their tool and, um, uh, you know, their, their, their main software, uh, capabilities. So you can kind of go in and grab all this, but it's, it's really been kind of been, um, um, you know, almost kind of, you know, Massachusetts has right to repair, um, um, and others now, of course, but was one of the first in terms of right to repair laws and stuff like that. Um, and so that will happen. Um, and competition will be good for Tesla because they'll start opening up APIs and all this, you know, and, yeah. and, and every other capability. Um, but it's, um, it's interesting. Right. And, and, I mean, incredibly opaque as an organization in terms of what's going on and stuff like that. Um, you know, they have a restricted parts list that you cannot purchase, you know, replacement parts on, right? They're just, they're just not handing to you. Um, so it's always interesting how you, you know, kind of go about and pick those up. But um, they both get there. I mean, they have to. And, you know, in terms of as you kind of think about it, like, you know, healthy ecosystem for the vehicles and, you know, all the things we kind of think about in, in software world developers, right, and, and all that kind of stuff. So so, so they'll do that. But right now, um, you know, and, and in their defense, right, you know, Tesla, you know, catches fire as national news. You know, meanwhile, 100 Camrys, you know, caught fire yesterday alone. Right. right? Um, yeah. So, you know, <laughs> you know, so PR, I mean, Oftentimes, right, like, so case in point, uh, a salvage title car can't use the supercharger network, right? So if if it's ever been written off, you know, like, because of a fender bender and the insurance company decided that it um, they were writing off for whatever reason, perfectly good chassis, untouched battery, all that kind of stuff. Um, now, obviously, there's cowboys out there who are kind of, like, putting these things together with, you know, um, you know, duct tape and stuff like that. And in good reason, they don't want these guys kind of showing up and like parking, you know, and then taking out the whole row of <laughs> model three <laughs> right, and, yeah. and stuff. But, but at the same time, I mean, the, the, you know, um, you know, they're just dealing in a different PR world. And so they batten the, the um, yeah, just everything is so battened down um, and unnecessarily so. Right. Like, and that's opening up the, the latest versions of what they call it toolbox. Um, now is starting to open that up. And, you know, so we license that software. Um, and, that, and it's, you know, it's actually reasonably priced. It's obviously not, not cheap. 
Um, but at the same time, but, but no OEM software is if you're yeah, in the market. I mean, and that's they're, they're all expensive. Right? So. I mean, right to repair doesn't mean yeah. like, hey, you get to have things for free. It just means that you, you can go and and, and you can go purchase that. them and figure it out. Yeah, yeah and, and there, yeah. there there should be some kind of you know recouping of that you know cost and, and different things. But you know, and also just making sure that you've got you know reasonably certified people working on these things. And you know, and that's a, I mean, and to be very clear for listeners and otherwise, we do everything absolutely by the book. Right. It's all to spec. We've got the we've got service manuals. We've got everything about about the car and what needs to be done um, and everything. Like there's no cowboys here. Right. Like there's some folks who are doing that. It's like, no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, for folks who want to play by the r- rules of the road, it's still even hard. Right. Like like there's this whole process for certification that we've gone through. And, and again, appropriately, but um, super hard to do. Um, you know, and, and for the individual who wants to go out and work on these, um, that's years away. Now also to be fair too, it's, um, and I'm not building, you know, what we do, uh, or up too much, but this is hard, thorny, you know, kind of getting your gas mixture right on a carburetor is way different from, you know, balancing, um, you know, every other imaginable thing in what is an otherwise very dangerous and unstable you know, um, battery if, if not handled properly, right? Yeah, you so know, there's a lot can go wrong with a, with a, a lithium well, battery. Also, even just if just you're repairing things, own. right? Like, you yeah. do the wrong thing and touch the wrong thing. It's it's not just like, oh, hey, I got myself burnt on the yeah, game over. Cold. It's done, right? Um, yeah. And that's actually why that's actually why they they don't want you on the supercharger networks and they won't repair your car either um, until they've kind of run it through a whole gamut of tests and and that's because you know they don't want their service folks going in there kind of you know because some like I said some cowboys done something crazy to a pack and and they kind of dig in and do something wrong so yeah yeah did I answer your question I hope. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm just it made me think about it. You know, just the more these, the more cars change. Our, our younger listeners, you guys are getting into cars. I mean, we knew we do have a, a well, I wouldn't say a huge younger audience. But we do have like late teens, early twenties that listen. It's you guys will understand when you're older. And I know your parents have said that about a lot of things, but in this case, you were at a really exciting and different time in automotive history that we didn't grow up with anything close to this. I mean, OBD two, OBD one and two yeah. was a big step for us. Right, Going exactly. to EV is a huge step. That's like landing on the moon when it, for the automotive industry. So right. really cool stuff. Really cool to see Chad, you're a pioneer in the, in the repair space because right. you know, one of the first after, you know, it's usually just, just the dealer. And that's when you think of electric cars, that's all people think of. It's like, where am I going to get my Tesla serviced? Well, Tesla, where else would you do it? Well, that's not going to be the option for very long. Just like you can get your Honda serviced at a million shops. Right. You, you know, your electric cars are going to be the same way in probably 20, 30 years. Yeah, so, exactly. Interesting exactly. stuff. Cool. All right. Well, Chad, thank you very much. Yeah. That was a great conversation. Thanks I for hope our listeners enjoyed and, it and um, learned a lot. I sure did. Yeah. Cheers. And if folks have um, questions, um, I don't know if you guys share contact info, but happy to yeah, that absolutely. Fire that, fire that away and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, resell-ev.com yeah, is your exactly. website, right? And you can also kind of um, uh, email us at info at uh, resell-ev.com and stuff like that. We're, we're always we're posting the Avance group. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, guys. All right. Thanks a ton. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chad. All right, cheers. And, Yep. For the Avance podcast, I'm Dan and Nick is obviously out sick. So don't just get there. Enjoy the drive. Yeah, exactly.